We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Morgan Studios when you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket Can. It's Thursday already, so we made it, and we've got more football. Week 15 kicks off tonight. And yeah, with a weird one. Oh, I like this one. Yeah, it's just it's weird. a lot at stake. Just kind of weird that <laughs> in a, a matchup of the Niners and the Seahawks with playoff on the line, yeah. the whole country is waiting to see how Brock Purdy's health is. That is something a month ago. <laughs> yeah. You uh, never, ever, oblique. ever would have thought of. Yeah, Brock Purdy's oblique was not a thing <laughs> as recently as three weeks ago. No, but now it's a major thing. Although for the 49ers, like, you know, it. There's not the stakes aren't as high for them. Personally, they're high for Brock Purdy, but for Seattle, I feel like the stakes are extremely high for them. I mean, this is a team now that's kind of been going a little bit on the downswell, maybe a little regression to the mean. The defense has not been good. And you're asking Gino to come through in a big spot. He's been great all season. And last week he was bad. I mean, what happens to the Seahawks? Are they like a Cinderella-type story here, or do they just end up fizzling out down the stretch? I think it's massively important for Seattle. Well, what happens even if they do sneak into the playoffs in the week NFC? What are we talking about here? I mean, where's their futures? Oh, Probably be big underdogs in the first round. No, think about it. I mean, how big would this be if after Russell Wilson basically demands a yeah. trade, he goes to Denver, it ends up becoming an abject disaster in the first season, and because the Seahawks, who now look like they've won that trade, and Geno has had like this emergence, you make to the playoffs. I thought Seattle was going to be in the in the running for the number one overall pick. I mean, I was dead wrong about that. If they can go to the playoffs, I think it's a massive statement by Pete Carroll about the whole team, the front office. Mm. Huge for them. I, I feel like it depends how they get there. If they're eight and nine and get to the playoffs, which is possible, uh, no one remembers that though. Well, I tell you, the Eagles made nine eight last year, and it felt like they were not a playoff team. <laughs> well, <laughs> they've got went up against Tom Brady when he looked still like himself. Yeah, nobody cares about that playoff run, and I'll tell you why: because the Eagles had a bright future ahead. Seattle, I don't know. It feels like at best they're in limbo. I don't know. Oh, where I this think could... Seattle has a bright future because of the draft picks now. Because they're getting draft picks from Denver out of the yeah. Russell trade. If they if they draft well, which I know has been a little bit dicey here, you know, over the last couple of years with Seattle, they could retool. Really, I do not feel like this is a team going anywhere. I mean, they have a 70-year-old coach, yeah. a journeyman quarterback. They don't really have a lot of other stars. They have DK, yeah, who's excellent. awesome. Tyler Lockett's good. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like this is like not like they did in 2012 when the Legion of Boom was coming up. I'm just not sure how this translates into anything particularly special. Oh, but I think there's always the what happens after the split. 
you know, immediately. Yeah. Listen, Tom Brady is the best ever. He splits from Belichick. He wins the Super Bowl the next right, year, right. right? Like, I think this would be a really big statement here from Seattle and from Pete Carroll. I think the Seahawks are a super likable team, and I think everyone's gotten behind Ooh. the Geno redemption story. Really? You feel like they Kenneth a... Walker's been awesome, and he's going to be playing tonight. I feel like there is no buzz about the Seahawks. They're not. Are they a popular team? I, I don't know. I, they're seven and six. They've lost three or four. Yeah. And I don't think people think they're that that good. You know, I think they think they're okay, right? I think they're. I think people think they're okay. Yeah, they're the okay. The defense is not great. They're going to have to do something about that. This yeah, time. and I, I think the bigger issue is really what do they do a quarterback next year? And, you know, I think if you asked three weeks ago, is Geno going to stay? I think it probably – because you always think that Seattle is not going to use a first-round pick on a quarterback. I don't think that's necessarily set in stone. Be- well, just because be they found high one sitting there. Probably. Yeah, just because they found Russell Wilson later doesn't mean you've solved it. That you're the best drafters ever. Yeah, I although they watch them go ahead and take a defensive end and then take a second round quarterback. Well, they have the second overall pick right now. <laughs> yeah, which could be. I mean, listen, if Bryce Young goes one, you know Seattle, they could easily take Will Anderson there. And you know what? I'd applaud them if they did. Yeah, and then go quarterback at the top of the second round. You, you have no idea. But it does feel like, I. you know, I hate limbo. It's my least favorite place to be, especially the NBA is the worst. Yeah. But this NFL limbo, sort of like Washington Commanders right now. Yes, they're between 7 and 10 wins every year, but I have no hope for the future. I just don't know. I, you're right about those draft picks with Seattle, but I, I'm not going to watch it. I'd be like, wow, I'm watching the early parts of a Seahawks something. No. Interesting. I, I commend them for what they've done. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227, that they just haven't fallen off a cliff. So we have that on the table for you. We are also talking about the weather in Buffalo this weekend. I think it's being too overblown of how much an advantage this is for the Bills. They're not a good cold weather team, despite the fact they play in Buffalo, which is just hilarious to me. But also, it's four hours. It's Miami Dolphins are coming in to play a football game. They're not going there to move in. Let's go to Channing, who's in Canisius, New York, which is near Buffalo. Channing, what's up? Hey, uh, Maggie, how you doing? Hey, Pro Up. We're doing great. Hey, I agree with I agree with you about the capes. I think these guys need to uh, definitely uh, put that out on the market because up here in up, uh, Western New York, we would definitely rock those things up here. Oh yeah, the capes. I was talking about how I lamented, if you're just joining us, how I can never find those big coats that they wear on the sidelines of cold NFL games. I've wanted one ever since I can remember. They don't sell them. Well, we. My wife was just looking up online. There's they got some guy that's knocking it off. There's nothing but that's put out by the NFL that would uh, allow for their licensing or anything. Yeah, like right, that. right. But, it's all cheap knockoffs. Yeah, that's what they got. But um, uh, to the point of, of the weather playing a factor, yeah, um, all teams are professional teams. But when you go into playing the cold weather, the elements do play a factor. The Miami Dolphins are built on speed. Um, everybody from Jalen Waddle to uh, uh, Tyree Kill and even Mosel, or the running back there. Um, it's built on speed, but if you're playing in nine inches of snow, yeah, um, it's going to neutralize all that speed. And the Bills, all they have to do is just stand on top of these guys <laughs> and knock the ball down and actually just tackle guys. So the weather's going to play a factor. Yeah, they can be on the sideline and get warm and all that other kind of stuff and have heated benches and, and yeah. you know, jet engines blowing at them. <laughs> yeah, right. But once they're out there on the field, um, if it's, it's going to be a factor. Snow, it's going to be a factor. Channing, so, thank you so much for chiming in. Appreciate it so much. And uh, Yeah, all they have to do is stand on them, Maggie, and they'll be okay. <laughs> just stand on if them. It was just that That's easy. so easy. Uh, okay, we're going to switch gears for a moment because there is a new 
movie, Perloff, a documentary that you've got to see. It's about legendary coach Lute Olsen, of course, who most famously coached at Arizona. Unfortunately, Lute Olsen passed away in 2020. But one of the executive producers of the film is maybe not too shocking. Someone who won a national championship at Arizona, was an NBA champion with the Dallas Mavericks, had a fantastic 20-year career in the NBA, is now an assistant coach with the Utah Jazz. Jason Terry, good enough to join us. Jason, thanks so much for doing this today. Congrats on the film. Oh, thank you. Any Anytime. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's start, I guess, with the college stuff, and then we'll get to the NBA. Because if you go back to that Arizona team that won it all in 97 that you were a part of, you go back through the teams and specifically the coaches that you guys played against in that run, it was crazy. You beat Roy Williams. You beat Pete Gillen, who was at Providence. You beat North Carolina, who was coached by Dean Smith. And, of course, you beat Rich Pitino, who was coaching the Kentucky Wildcats. Like, what do you remember most about that run? I just remember that it was it was a legendary, epic run, um, knocking off three number one seeds. And like you just mentioned, um, the coaching tree that we had to go through, all Hall of Fame coaches, coaches in my eyes, um, Lute Olson's defining moment in his legendary career, cementing his legacy as one of the greatest college coaches ever, um, given the final stamp of approval of Arizona on a national um, stage of being a, a powerhouse, a contender, uh, point guard you is uh, kind of what we we are remembered as. And on that team, you had some great you know point guards, great guards, and then just a great basketball team um, that we put together that year. Uh, obviously, you know, in the NBA, is it's the best team always wins, but in college not only the best team, but the team that's playing great at that particular time. And that's kind of what we were. I mean, we weren't great in conference play, but once we got to the tournament, we feel like we matched up against anyone and we had to knock down some great opponents uh, to win the title that year. Jason, now that you're coaching, what did you pick up from Lute Olsen that you can use with young players today? Well, I think the thing that Lute um, instilled in me and the rest of my teammates and a lot of the teams that he coached in was about accountability and uh, being self-aware, knowing who you are and what value you brought to a team, and then being able to star in your role. Uh, for me on those teams at Arizona, uh, especially the championship team, I was the sixth man. And, uh, you know, it was a role that I, I lived and thrived in, and it was something that he told me to just take ownership in and, and be the best at it. You know, obviously you can start, but if you take on the six-man role, uh, it's a role that is needed, and, you know, we want you to be a star. And, you know, he held me accountable. He held me accountable every day uh, to being the best version of myself, and that's kind of what I instill in these young men that I coach now. Jason Terry is joining us. He's now a Utah Jazz assistant coach. He was the sixth man of the year in the NBA. He is the executive producer of a new documentary about Lute Olsen called Lute It will air on CBS Sports Network Saturday the 17th at 3 p.m. and then Sunday the 18th at 6 a.m. Eastern time. Um, okay, should I um, try out my my thoughts on Jason Terry about the Sixth Man of the Year award? Oh, yeah. Jason, Uh-oh. just be patient here. Okay, so Jason, Uh-oh. you saw that the NBA just renamed all their awards. By the way, can I call you Jet? Does everyone call you Jet? Jet, Coach Jet, all good with me. Okay, Coach Jet. Okay, the Sixth Man of the Year was called the John Havlicek Award. Now that's what it's going to be known for, okay? And listen, Mm -hmm. Havlicek was the best. Hondo, okay, I'm not taking anything away from him. But 
if you are really going to name the award after the person who's won it the most, don't you think it should be called the Lou Williams Award? Yeah, you, you can go Lou Will. You can go Jamal Crawford. Um, another good one? Another good one. I mean, there's just been so many great six men throughout the history of basketball. Obviously, Havlicek set the bar extremely high. But what Lou Williams has done in his career, and he just recently retired. So maybe, you know, in another five to six years, I don't know why we have to wait that <laughs> He's gotta long. He's got to breathe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it could be renamed. But, I mean, there's so many great candidates, and you know, all those guys – were special and instrumental, uh, had a big role in the in in you know each team that they played with, and they easily could have started on, on all those teams as well. But you know the, the bar is set high, and it takes a special individual, it takes special characteristics, um, and you have to be very selfless to be a six man and to thrive in that role. Okay, are you upset that Dirk Nowitzki did not get an award named after him when the NBA announced several? Luminaries got an award. Nothing for Dirk. What what award should Dirk Nowitzki have gotten? Uh, the greatest foreign-born player to ever play the game, in my eyes. I mean, uh, when you talk about revolutionizing the game at his height and at his position at a time where, you know, power forwards in, in our era and in the 80s and 90s were big, strong, physical guys, Dirk kind of revolutionized the game and stretched out to that four position where they would shoot threes and you know had a consistent mid range jump shot. Um to me, um that, that that's that's what his impact was on the game. And that's why you see a lot of guys, you know, shooting the one legged fadeaway jump shot. You know, Kevin Durant has put that in his game. Luca obviously does it at a smaller size but gets the same results. Um uh, but he, he definitely revolutionized the game from a shooting perspective, being seven feet. Jason Terry is joining us. He is the executive producer of a new documentary about the life of Lute Olson. It's called Lute. It airs on CBS Sports Network. It's so appreciative of your time. You know, Jason, you had such a long NBA career. In your mind, like, the greatest moment is a game five of the NBA Finals when you outplay LeBron. Crucial three-pointers basically turn the tide in the series. Is that it for you or something else? Yeah, for me, it was uh, that was a great moment. Like that whole entire run was great. Game six was even uh, even better. But for me, and and you know, rest in peace, Kobe. It was my last game um, four when we swept the Lakers. They were trying to threepeat in that same playoff run, and you know, defeating a team where Kobe Bryant was on, and it was Phil Jackson's last game that he would ever coach. One of the greatest coaches to ever, you know, walk the sidelines. To me, that game was monumental. I think I made nine of 11 threes. Um, it was on Mother's Day, and it sent us on to the Western Conference Finals. I mean, it, it was just one of those games where you thought every time you threw the ball up, it was going in. And, you know, you try to chase that feeling, you chase that moment, and, and you never quite get to it. And, and now you only hope the guys you're coaching can have moments like you had. And uh, you can hopefully get that feeling back. But I think that was the time where – uh, most memorable for me. Jason, your career kind of spanned multiple eras. At the end of it, Steph Curry changed the game for a lot of shooting guards. Yep. You know, if do you think that young players just have a completely different concept of what's a good shot than you did, <laughs> say, at, when you got to Arizona oh in the God. late 90s? Well, we knew what, what, a, what a bad shot was. You know, <laughs> and then what you, what you realize is, is that, you know, a good shot for Steph Curry – 
is not or is not necessarily a good shot for you. And each individual player, you got to realize what your strength is. And he's just one of those natural gifts, man. He, he worked hard to attain it, but it, it's definitely God given. The way he shoots the ball, in the efficiency which he does it in, is just be foul. I can't even imagine like shooting the way he does. I may have had a game or two like that, but not a career. <laughs> like, he's had a career of shooting the ball from range with efficiency, off the dribble, off the move. Uh, I witnessed it, and the fact that when I witnessed it, I realized it was over for me. Like, I played <laughs> four more years, but for two minutes, Steph Curry owned me, and I am a tremendous fan. I love the way he, he carries himself off the court, high character, um, and then the way he plays the game. So, uh, I'm a fan, uh, even though he's uh, in the Western Conference and is one of our opponents, but I'm a fan. I find myself rooting for him from time to time. Jason, just a couple more for you, and appreciate the time. He's the executive producer of the new documentary about the life of Coach Lute Olson. It's called Lute. It airs on CBS Sports Network Saturday uh, the 17th at 3 Eastern, Sunday the 18th at 6 a.m. Eastern. You know, you came into the league – it was like right after Jordan had retired from the Bulls, right? And I know he ended up coming back, but there was kind of this like clamoring at the time to like find the next Jordan, right? And like who was going to be the next face of the league and who was going to be the next Jordan? Do you kind of sense that maybe something similar is happening now in the NBA as LeBron is at some point, he's got to retire, Jason. I know he's doing windmill dunks in year 20, but at some point he'll retire. Do you, do you get that same sense like when Michael retired? You, you only reason why I say you don't get that same sense uh, you did about two or three years ago, but you don't get that now is because our league is so wealthy with young talent from all across the board, point guards, bigs. Now they got these hybrids, you know, guys are playing positionless. That's all because of LeBron and the way he's played his impact on our game. Um, so they're not just looking for one guy. I think it's going to be a, a bevy of guys that carry the torch and take our game on into the next millennium. I mean, you can you can go down the list. I can't name them because it's probably tampering, but <laughs> you can go down almost every roster, and there's one guy on each roster that you can honestly say, like, he might be the next one guy. But collectively as a group, I think this is the most talent this league has ever seen, uh, the best skill level when you talk about offense, offensively skills i mean you got centers out here bringing the ball up the floor pushing shooting threes dropping dimes looking like magic like it's crazy and uh, the athleticism is jason just a couple more for you i know we've kept you a while here i just need you to tell me whether or not this story is true or false okay because i read about it on the internet but you're never sure if these stories are true is it a true story that after you beat the Miami Heat in 2011, that LeBron and Dwayne Wade went on vacation together to the Bahamas and they show up to the resort and who was standing there but you? <laughs> and you had just beaten them. 100%. And D-Wade is the owner of, part owner of the Utah Jazz now. And he knows the story very well. I think he retold the story. But I'm sitting outside the elevator getting ready to go up to the VIP and the elevator's closing, and I look, it's LeBron D. Wade. They see me. They didn't put their foot in the door like the normal person would. They let the door close, <laughs> and, I, and I finally got up there. But I understood. Like, I get it. But 
You know, I know it was a long summer for them, but I was enjoying my life, and, you know, I just wanted to dap them up. But, yes, that is a very true story. And, uh, hey, you know, D-Wade knocked me off in 05, 06, and I got some sweet payback in 2011. There you go. (laughs) Well, can't tell you how much we appreciate this, Jason, and congrats again on the documentary, the 25th anniversary of the 97 National Championship uh, team at Arizona. We all remember the Cardiac Cats. It was an awesome team. You were a massive part of it. And um, best of luck with the doc. We can't wait to see it. No doubt about it. It should be a good show. It's a tribute to Lute Olsen and his career. His story has not ever really been told. But please enjoy uh, and, and have some good memories of good old Lute. Jason, we'll have to get you back on again, talk a little about your own Utah Jazz, where you're an assistant coach now. We'll do that again soon. Again, you can watch Lute Saturday, December 17th at 3 p.m. Eastern, Sunday the 18th at 6 a.m. Eastern. Thank you so much, Jet, Coach Jet. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Okay, appreciate that. That's great. I love that. <laughs> didn't put the foot in the didn't door. Didn't put the foot in the elevator, <laughs> yeah. And I, I would think that in the offseason, all those NBA guys are probably pretty friendly to each other. That just goes to show you how upset D-Wade and LeBron were. Yeah, not right after winning. Yeah, not right after. I'm yeah. sure in a normal situation, if they ran into Jason Terry at a resort, they'd be thrilled to hang with him. One of the most memorable championship teams, you know, because it was the first year that LeBron, Wade, and Bosh had teamed up in Miami. They had done the not five, not six, not seven. Dirk and had and and Terry they had lost to D Wade right in 05 when Wade won with Shaq and I remember they clinched they won it all in Miami in game six I was there 855-212-4CBS 855-212-4227 supposed to do an exclusive interview with LeBron leading up to that game true story my flight got delayed since then I've never flown the day of anything in my life Smart move. I learned that the hard way. 855-212-4CBS. Coming up, who are we putting a fork in? We'll tell you in just a moment. Don't move. More Maggie and Perloff straight ahead. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. Just reading all the Twitter mentions who are with me, Maggie. Miami people do not like snow. That's why they go to Miami. (laughs) This is a fact as old as time. Now, why would football players be any different? If you spend 11 and a half months in Florida, you are not going to like Buffalo. Listen, you just have to get yourself up for one game. You don't have to buy a house in Buffalo and live there from October to March. All you have to do is just have mind over matter for one game. And to be honest, it's going to be hard for those Buffalo defenders. You're trying to, you know, stop Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell in, you know, even if it's bad weather, 
you know, the the advantage always goes to the offense in these bad game in games with snow. Well, except for how is Tua gonna throw the ball in the snow? Forget Tyree Kill. Yeah, he can run a fast route. But it just feels hard. It's hard to throw in those conditions. It's hard for Josh Allen, too. Yeah. I think people give Josh Allen the edge because he's gigantic. Yeah, he's a they... huge, huge man. <laughs> yeah, because th- when everything breaks down, he can just run the ball 10 yards. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, Tua is famously doesn't have a strong arm. I mean, come on. I have 72 hours to convince you that the Dolphins are not going to handle the snow and then watch the Dolphins are totally going to cover in this game. I'm telling you, everyone also picked the, that the Dolphins were going to steamroll the Chargers. Come on. Like, it's just one game. It's not, yeah. you know, it's just about who has the better game plan. And if Mike McDaniel really is a coach of the year candidate and really the young hotshot guy, the new dude, then you don't think he's going to adjust after no. two bad games? I definitely do not think so. <laughs> Uh, I, I was surprised. The money's close. 54% according to Action Network came in on the Bills at plus seven. I would have thought, you know. You mean the I, Dolphins plus seven. Uh, right, right. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. 54% came on the Bills minus seven. Yeah. I would think that everybody thinks like I think <laughs> at Miami, snow doesn't mix. and would have think it'd be a blowout. I honestly think, I keep getting back to this, the snow could help the Dolphins keep this close and ugly. And here's my biggest reason, actually. It's not the weather. It's the fact that it's a divisional game. Yep. And Miami won the first one. You know how this works, Maggie. You've been following this forever. This is totally two teams that are going to split the division series. Well, there's no way Miami. Miami can beat Buffalo twice this year. Really? So there's also a, a thing in Miami where, listen, there's a lot on the line for the Bills. We had a caller earlier today understood Bills have to win and get home field advantage. It's like so crucial for them this well, year. Well, apparently not because you don't think they can even hold the home field <laughs> against a Miami well, team. Take take what I think out of it for a second. But we all know if you've been watching football that the Bills, more likely than not, do need some home field advantage, just everything about it. They've had to go on the road the last two years, and it hasn't ended well. So who, though, needs this game more? Beyond, like, yes, the Bills want home field advantage, but who actually needs this game more? Miami is going to be the much more desperate team here. Why? Because the Miami is still, like, fighting for a playoff spot. Yes, but this bottom of the AFC, it's just getting, you're basically fighting to get slaughtered in the first round. I don't know that they're in that mix with the Patriots and Jets and Chargers. All three of the, all four of those teams are pretty average. Maybe Miami's a cut above, but I don't know. It doesn't, I think the Bills are just as desperate. The Bills are very serious. They They should be desperate. Yeah, they're all about the Super Bowl right now. Miami is just about making the playoffs. I don't know that there's that same sense. Okay, but even right now, if the playoffs ended today, Miami is the sixth seed, so the six would play the three. Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, that's... That would... You're telling me the Ravens are a slam dunk there? And didn't you say Lamar Jackson has been ruled out, obviously, for this week, right? Well, right, but I... Okay, so who is the two in that scenario? Yeah, but won't won't Cincinnati take that? If if Baltimore's injuries continue, that'll probably be Cincinnati. I mean, I'm thinking that might be Cincinnati. So yeah. that, but even still, like Miami, Cincinnati. Yeah, that feels really good for Cincinnati. Don't oh. you? Th- the way Cincinnati's playing right now, yeah, the anybody way Cincinnati's in, playing right now. Anybody no in Cincinnati sounds scary. Honestly, the two teams no one wants to play right now: Cincinnati Bengals, Detroit Lions. Don't want any part of that. <laughs> no thanks. Two hottest teams in football. Uh yeah. Except the Bills did just move up to number one in Super Bowl odds. People are into them. They're they're back to back to being good, Maggie. Come on, get with the. I can't believe I'm convinced you. Convince me. Get back on the bandwagon. (laughs) I've never left the bandwagon. (laughs) I'm just very realistic about them. Uh, John is in Buffalo. Thinks the weather's going to wreak havoc. John. Hey, so I'm in Ellicottville, which is probably about 30 minutes south of Orchard Park. Yep. 
and we got a little snow sleet. We're all miserable. Nobody's out. <laughs> I walked least... downtown to grab some groceries. I fell down twice. Oh, then... John. Oh, sleet yeah, is the worst. Fell down but, twice? So Were you holding was, the groceries I... and fell? Well, you're walking down. It's icy. You know, it's minding your business. Well, we hope you, your day turns around. No, I'm fine with that. It's huh. going to happen. Okay. John, what are you hearing for Saturday night? Like, what can we expect? You know this so, lake effect stuff. I was telling your producer, I'm like, if Miami got off the plane today and Tua led them down the, you know, the steps, they'd get right back on the plane. Like, you know <laughs> this isn't worth it. <laughs> you know what, John? Thank you for checking in. Those days, if you're not from that part of the world – um, which I am, those days, they're just miserable. Yeah, It's sleeting. It's gross. It's cold. You haven't seen the sun in a month. Like, there's just nothing like it. And you're not going to see the sun for another three months. Yeah, guess who's not from that part of the world? Yeah, Tua. <laughs> Tua is very much not from that part you of the world. You mean the people coming from the Sunshine State? Yeah, those people. And Tua's yeah. from Hawaii, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Tua is going to show off. He's going to be trying to get down those icy steps with his little... Uh, ukulele? Little ukulele <laughs> from his Hawaii. Yeah, wearing a lei that's going to freeze immediately. No, this is not good in no, any way. You guys are not... You know how yesterday we were talking about Michael Parsons saying, the Jalen Hurts system quarterback. And you said, and I, I said, you're giving them bulletin board material. This is bulletin, bulletin board. And you said, isn't that insulting to professional athletes that they would need some kind of bulletin board material? Yeah. Are we insulting professional athletes now to think they can't play in what? A little cold weather? Come on. They're big, strong guys. We have actual data that shows Tua cannot play in cold weather. And this is far colder than any game he's played in. I was thinking, how do you prep for this game? Like, if I was the yeah. coach of the Dolphins, if I was Mike McDaniel, when they were coming back from California where they played their last two games, would I try to, like, hold a practice in, like, Chicago or something? Like, what could I do? Can uh, I stop <laughs> over in Indianapolis and, like, work out at a high school or something? Like, a little something. You don't want to go from L.A. to Buffalo. Or L.A. to Miami to Buffalo. That's You're making it worse. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would actually just maybe start looking at whoever's next week's schedule. Just put all the tape work into that. <laughs> put in Skylar Thompson. Nothing good is happening here for Tua Tungvalu. There's just it seems impossible to me that he could have a huge game in the snow. Maybe they run like crazy, but Tua is certainly not going to lead them. Well, I, you can't. You cannot throw in those conditions. You know they play the week after. Green Bay. But it's at home. Yeah. Guess who they play right after that? At New England. What do you think it's going to feel like in New England on January 1st? I don't think it's going to be nine inches of snow. I, I think this is really bad. I know, but we, you and I have both been to those cold games in Foxborough. That's not a picnic. No, but I think New England's a far worse team than Buffalo. So that, you know, Mac Jones, you think he wants to be in the cold? I don't know where, <laughs> what his weather. From Jacksonville? Right? Yeah, yeah. He's probably just as soft. We'd have to see how he did last no, year in the cold weather. The cold. <laughs> I doubt it. Really? He plays in New England now. You gotta get. You just gotta get used to it when you're the when that's where your home base is. Let's. I just out of curiosity, I, I want to pull up Mac Jones's cold weather stats. Bet you they're they're totally average. I mean, his um, regular stats are not that much above <laughs> I was average. Say, how can you tell them from just the regular stuff? How do you know what the weather was? Eight five five two one two four CBS. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. Okay, got a lot to do here. Uh got an injury update for you. We'll bring that to you in just a moment. Time for Rich Ackerman CBS Sports Update. Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. 
Got a lot of NFL talk for you. Got an injury update we're going to get to in just one moment, but not before we hit the phone lines at 855-212-4CBS. Will in North Carolina has a special reason he's watching tonight's game against the 49ers and Seahawks. What's up, Will? What's going on, guys? Uh, thanks for taking my call. You got it. Um, y'all are really setting off my seasonal de- depression. Uh, with all this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, let's talk about how early the sun sets. Although, did you guys see yesterday? Was it yesterday or two days ago was the shortest day of the year? So now every day after, the sun's going to set one minute later, later, later. Guys, we've made it. We're already on the other side of this thing. I thought that was December 21st, the winter equinox. Am mm, I, I I saw it on Twitter was yesterday or could two be. days Yeah, ago. I, thought, I thought it was always the first day of winter was the longest day of the year. That's great if we're already... Uh, we're already headed in the right direction. We're already on the other side of this, Will. Cheer up. I can't, I can't wait till <laughs> summer gets here. I'm just going to bake in the sun for uh, days on the end. But, <laughs> um, as you all know, I, I'm a Carolina fan. And, um, I, I mean, the trade of Christian McCaffrey, um, I was, I'm still in his camp. I'm happy for him. I'm glad he got out of Carolina. But I feel like nobody's talking about it. He's really in the same spot. Uh, in San Francisco uh, that he was in in Carolina. Like, he has no quarterback right now. Mm. And, um, I mean, Debo's gone and um, the Elijah Mitchell's gone, so he's the number one running back. And I feel like we tried to use, save his tread on him when he was in Carolina. But, like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm still a Christian McCaffrey fan. I hope the best for him. But, like, I feel like he's in the same spot He's in now than he was in Carolina. Yeah, and they're going to rely on him a lot. I mean, the Debo injury is big. And, Will, thank you so much for the phone call. Um, and hope that seasonal depression doesn't set in too too deep there. We all deal with it. Um, the Debo is Debo is a big loss. I feel like we're kind of underplaying it. Well, I actually, and I don't – because they have so many guys they rotate in. They always find these guys. I mean – like Elijah, who is Elijah Mitchell? Who I is mean, Raheem they, Mostert? Who is Jeff Wilson Jr.? Just picking guys off the scrap heap, kind of, and just plug him in there. I don't know. They can always find running backs. You don't think that Debo is a unique talent? Yes, Debo's a unique talent, but I mean, I don't know. He's a wide receiver playing running back. It's an odd situation. I feel like he's a bit of a cherry on top. He's maybe I'm. He's like their whole offense at times. I mean, well, before then McCaffrey, McCaffrey got there. Yeah, but do you remember one big Debo catch this year? Well, I mean, but the one thing about McCaffrey is, aren't you always just sort of like waiting with a little, like, yeah, holding your true. breath? I mean, that's why I wonder why they traded for him because because basically they're setting up the thing where they're a great team now with McCaffrey. But what if he's gone? But they've always found running backs out of nowhere. It's a system. It's Kyle Shanahan's blocking system, isn't it? How about this? I was reading this in SI today that, and uh, Will was calling us from North Carolina, that, so North the, the Panthers are a game out in the NFC South somehow, right? They've actually <laughs> been playing some good football. I don't know how this is possible. If the Bucks lose this weekend, which is totally possible, uh, the Bucks have a tough game, actually. They are... Now that's escaping me for some reason, but Bucks have a tough game. Uh, Stu will look for that in a sec. And if the if Carolina host the Bengals, host the Bengals, thank you. The one team besides the Lions that nobody wants to play right now in the NFL. <laughs> so if they win and the Bucks lose, 
they'll be in first place. How about this from SI, that divisional round ticket reservation prices for the Panthers jumped 128% this week. Wow. People are believing that they're going to be a playoff team. I mean, someone has nice. to win wow. that dreadful division. I, I told you, if the Saints had not found a way to lose that game to the Bucks, we would now have a four-way tie at 5-8 and eight for the entire NFC South. <laughs> I mean, isn't that just depressing, though? I, yeah, it's it's crazy. And the Panthers host the Steelers this weekend, so that's a yeah, that's a win. I I think if people are going to look at it, if if some team that's going with seven wins, everyone's going to say, oh, you got to realign. But I don't even think people are going to really care enough one way or the other. I, I just, we just don't mess. remember it. Yeah, we make a big deal about it in the moment. It's like, oh, remember a seven and nine Seattle Seahawks team or whatever from all those years ago. And then once it's over, it's over. Well, I thought that whole thing when the Eagles benched Jalen Hurts for Nate Sudfeld in yeah. week 17 and it cleared the way for Washington to get in over the Giants. I thought that was pathetic how mad the Giants fans were. Yeah, they were mad <laughs> because they were going to get in at, <laughs> at seven and nine. Yeah, no, their head coach was mad. He called it Bush League or something. Bush I forgot League, what Joe Judge being said. a playoff team who's seven and nine is completely Bush League. <laughs> <laughs> Winning, you, can't, you have nothing to say if you get in the playoffs with a losing record. That's not good. I know, but for a coach, and he was a first-time coach, I mean, it goes on your record that you are play, that you got the team to the playoffs. Yeah, I think... You'd probably get a nice little almost, incentive there, bonus, I don't know. Yeah, I understand why he was mad, but it's still kind of, The fans were mad, too. I was here in New York. I'm like, what are you mad about? You guys stink. You're 7-9, and nine and uh, you have no chance in the playoffs anyway. They haven't been to the playoffs since 2016. Like, low-key, New York has been in this massive playoff drought. Because low key, they're the worst two teams over the last six <laughs> okay, years so in the entire NFL. <laughs> Not so low key. So the Giants haven't been there since 2016. The Jets haven't been there since 2010. Yeah, they're both terrible. I think everybody realized. Actually, this year has been a revelation, although watching both end up below 500. What I think is hilarious is that both New York teams have made this big step forward in two of the shakiest quarterback situations in the whole NFL. Zach Wilson is the second overall pick, and he's a backup right now to Mike White. And Daniel Jones, like, no one's ever really liked him, and I I don't think he's going to get paid. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Yeah. They're looking to upgrade, I think. I mean, really interesting. I mean, there's a really good chance both teams end up below 500 because of the 17-game schedule. Yeah, which would be funny because they were both like 7-2 and at one point. But nobody's crying for any of the New York teams. Not at all. Um, 855-212-4CBS. I've got to take this call because Steve in New York, the – the topic, Steve, is hunting kangaroos in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> you guys were talking about the recall earlier and then Crocodile Dundee. And I'm calling from Banton. Oh, hey, Steve. Hey, so. Uh, <clears throat> My yeah, hometown. Uh, I had an assistant coach, and uh, he had coached for seven years in Australia. And he knew I liked to hunt and that. And he was telling me about hunting kangaroos. And they actually will fly over them in helicopters and shoot them out of the helicopters. Oh, man. That kind of takes some of the sport out of it, doesn't it? No, I said the same thing. I felt like, oh, the cute little kangaroo. How can you do that? But he said there are just like rats over there. There's so many of them. And when they get into an area, they'll just devastate the crops and that. So they've, uh, yeah, it's pretty much open season. So, wow. But, that makes sense. But they, he, yeah. Yep. And he said that's the only way to control them. But he said they do, you know, eat eat them. And then the meat they don't, the hunters don't use. They'll, they give to food programs and prisons and jails and things like that. So it doesn't go to waste. But he said they're, no, there's, he said, in areas, he couldn't believe it himself. There's so many of them. He goes, it's crazy. He went up 
with this with one of the guys once on a hunt from the helicopter. And hunt like, from a helicopter. Steve, thank you so much for the phone call. Yeah. You enlightened us today. <laughs> Tell everyone in Binghamton I said hi. Not to make you sad, but that means if you shoot a kangaroo and you shoot the little baby in the pouch, oh, too. Oh, don't say it. Is that a little baby in the pouch just oh, saying hi? Oh. Joey. Don't do that. I really think it does take some of the sport out of it, though. It's like it's not a it's not a fair fight to begin with. But now you're going to add a helicopter to it. I mean, Actually, I feel like being a helicopter makes it a little more fair because you have a 33 percent chance of dying as well. The kangaroo. <laughs> well, I think standing standing on the ground and blowing them away is probably easier than shooting them from a helicopter. <laughs> well, have you ever seen the things of the kangaroos like boxing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you don't want to box you... with a kangaroo. But if you have a rifle, you might have to be able to avoid the boxing. No, I know. But what if you miss and all of a sudden then you get a ticked off kangaroo is coming at you and apparently they're like in a fleet. Yeah, but that, I mean, hanging out the side of a helicopter going yeah, what down you, a Rambo gulch. To, hit, yeah, yeah. To, to, to kill that, a kangaroo where they said they're like rats over there? I mean, why, how macho do you have to pretend to be? Uh, that's, I don't know why. Actually, as I think about it, that's a lot more dangerous than any other form of kangaroo <laughs> hunting. Just to come in low over the kangaroos rifle, uh, yeah, it's not, not doesn't sound fun to me. But man, I guess I, you got to control them kangaroos. Those <laughs> ruse out of control, <laughs> devastate the crops. I honestly, if I was in prison and they were like, "Here's some kangaroo meat," I think I'd be like, "I'm good." Really? Yeah, I'm Aren't not you eating kangaroo. Why? What, I, I'm sure it tastes like chicken, but what's why? What's your bias against kangaroo meat? That seems appealing to you? I don't know. Also, they're kind of like strong. They're jumping all the time. That's probably gamey. It's probably really tough. You know, this isn't yeah, like yeah. a organic grass-fed cow or something who's like so, you know, okay. living in a pasture for its whole life. You, so you're saying fatter animals are more delicious? I mean, that's just the law. <laughs> Is that okay? That makes sense. Why do you think bacon and pig? You know, yeah, that's like that's true. Fat deer venison's good. I've never had it. Duck duck is really good. Yeah, duck's fatty, though. There's a great restaurant in Philadelphia called Jack's. It's only game meat, and it's really, really high-end. Wow. I got to take you there. Because you, I'm sure <laughs> I don't want to go. Sure, they have kangaroo. They no. have bear. They have lots of venison, elk. I don't want to eat any of that. I, I once ate wild boar meat. I was like, who do, who am I? That was very gamey. Oh, is it wild boar meat like pig meat? Is it, is yeah, the... a wild boar is like a pig. Yeah, yeah. But so it doesn't like... taste like a normal pork? No, it doesn't. I ate it in a stew. Yeah, I, let's find some kangaroo meat. No. Yes. <laughs> this is going to be amazing. We, tasty Thursday. You know, I was going to say Tasty Thursday. Do we bring it back just for kangaroo jerky? Have you guys ever eaten any strange animals? I, I think Stu and Connor over here are not your game meat. Octopus <laughs> is about as far as I've gone, yeah. but that's about And I had duck, actually, for the first time last Saturday night, and it was delicious. Wow. Mm. So other than that, I'm not a Great big adventurous timing. eater. Yeah. Okay. What was the occasion that you all of a sudden had duck? It was my cousin's birthday party, birthday dinner. So we got together. We went to this fancy place in Hoboken, and one of the things they had, they had duck and rabbit and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah rabbit's also no Rabbit good. was like a little too Ugh. out there. Rabbit's great. Yeah, I didn't see fan. kangaroo on the menu, but I'm going to have to make a recommendation to the what? restaurant. Where yes. do you draw the Tell line? Tell them in Hoboken, New yeah. Jersey, yeah. to go find the kangaroo meat, please. Where do you draw the line, Maggie? So you're saying like little cute animals you can't eat. Well, why are you okay with eating a cow, but you're not okay with eating a rabbit? You know, I'm just a total hypocrite about it. I have no rhyme or reason. <laughs> Probably because I never would entertain having a cow for a pet. Not that I would with a kangaroo yeah, either, but... But why would you have a cow as a pet? A lot yeah. of people befriend the cow before they... I know. I mean, to be honest, we probably shouldn't be eating any of this, but I, just because I've been so conditioned to eat cow meat. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, though, that's probably just the same that's thing. That's why I don't think about it. Yeah. But if it was a kangaroo, I'd be thinking about it. 
shooting them from a helicopter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is going on? <laughs> uh, coming up. I'm Googling where to get a kangaroo sandwich in New York City. <laughs> Don't. We'll get it before the end of the show. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to vomit. Coming up. Oh, our friend Jim Nagy is the executive director of the Senior Bowl. We're going to talk about some quarterbacks who are about to go pro. Let's do that next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.